This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, helping the people of the world to live healthy lives. Welcome, everyone. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me today. Do you struggle with letting go? Are the same thoughts appearing in your mind, interfering with what you really want to do? It happens to all of us, which is why I have invited John Perkis to join me today. John is the author of The Power of Letting Go, as well as his latest book, A Guided Journal, Learn to Let Go. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me, Claudia. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. So, John, in your book, The Power of Letting Go, you taught readers to let go of old conditioning and live life on another level. What does that mean? So I'm assuming, perhaps rashly, that most people have some idea of how to be present initially. So just be present and then start observing your thoughts. And so the first step is it helps to write them down. You know, we have like prejudices, judgments, we label people, we label situations. We have these, all of these thoughts. And if we write them down, we can see some of them just aren't helping us. Like we might have prejudice against a certain kind of person or judgment about ourselves or judgment about situations. So that's that's relatively easy bit, okay? And you might say that's on the day-to-day level, which is just listen to yourself and listen to other people and write the words down, right? So that's okay. The second step is is on another level, letting go of the pain that's running your life. And so the principle, and it's true for all of us, is something painful happens between the ages of two and seven. And it's so painful that we suppress it. And when we suppress it, it stays in our bodies. So I usually ask people, think of the most painful thing that happened to you before the age of seven. And they think of it. And I just say, how does it feel? And they tell me. And then I just say, where is it in your body? And nearly everybody can point to it. So it's been sitting there for decades. And it um, generates a torrent of negative thoughts, many of them unconscious. So the second step, which is letting go of the pain that's running your life, is, is removing that, which has been known about for thousands of years. But most people don't know about it. And you're right. I feel like we know about it for thousands of years. We probably have heard of it, but it's really hard to practice that. It's really hard to understand it and then just proceed with letting it really go. Psychologists and psychiatrists have been talking about it for over 100 years, but the whole thing goes back possibly 10,000 years. And I went through a Freudian psychoanalysis when I had clinical depression we identified these problems. There was no technique for removing them other than to talk about it some more. So I was very excited when I discovered there was a guru in India who had a technique for removing it. So that's, you know, I jumped on a plane at that point and go and learn. Well, yeah, when you get to that point, it's great that you're able to find the resources you need. I also really like that you talk about how, you know, when you find your flow, I think we're all just looking for flow. And I think the big question is, how do we find that flow? And what can we expect once we're in the flow? Yeah. Well, the way I see like the West, Western culture is kind of nibbling around the edges of the, all these topics, right? So flow is another one, you know, from Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, the Hungarian flow guru. Um, so, so a lot of us have experienced it at some point, you know, when life kind of flows or, or when they're in a flow state and they feel great and everything's just happening. But yeah, the question is how to get into that state and stay there. 
And I think that's a combination of things. One of them is this technique, which I was just alluding to, which is completion, which is reliving to relieve that original painful incident. So if you relive that intensely, you, it lets go of the pain and then that torrent of negative thoughts begins to die down. That's one thing you can do. And the other thing um, is another technique from, so it has a long name, Sri Nityananda Paramashivam. We just call him Swamiji. But, um, the other technique which he's pioneered is called unclutching, which I would say is even simpler than mindfulness. So in the book, I've used mindfulness because that's, mindfulness has become this enormous industry, right? And I use that as a starting point because that's where most people are, right? But there's an even simpler technique called unclutching and that boils down to when a thought arises, you choose not to engage with it. So what most of us do, do unconsciously is when a thought arises, which is all the time, we engage with it. So we suppress it or we try to think about something else or we engage with it or we disagree with it or we agree with it or we follow it until we're miles away. But actually, that's an unconscious choice. We can choose not to engage with it. And that's why he calls it unclutching. It's like unclutching in a you know a car with a stick shift. So if you unclutch, you will quite quickly find yourself in a flow state because you're not engaging with that torrent of thoughts anymore. So yeah, describe the unclutching. That that makes total sense. And you're right. I I myself find myself falling into that. You know, you have a thought, you engage it, you try to dismiss it. But how do we unclutch it? It's basically. I mean, it's an it's initiation into a technique. But my experience of it is. If, you, if we just sit here now and a thought comes up, just be aware you have a choice. Are you going to engage with the thought, yes or no? If you decide not to engage with the thought and you just remain unclutched, right? You're not, you're not doing anything about that thought. At some point, that thought will go away. Another one will come. And you, and you choose not to engage with that one either and just carry on like that. Now, for many of us, we've been so conditioned to think that um, it, initially it feels like being irresponsible, you know, I'm having this urgent thought, but I'm not engaging with it, you know, because we've been so conditioned to engage with thoughts. If we don't engage with it, eventually the thoughts start to die down. And these two techniques work together because on the one hand, you've removed most or all of the torrent of thoughts, that really helps. And those torrents, that, those thoughts rather that survive and still keep coming up, you, you ignore them. <laughs> so what tends to happen is the mind, the mind goes quieter, quieter and quieter, and then we find ourselves just immersed in what we're doing and enjoying it, right? And the other very important thing for Westerners is, you know, it's a bit like fish in water. We have this culture that we're not aware of. There's, Western culture is based on this principle, I'm sure you're familiar with, of the body mind, which Eckhart Tolle talks about. So most Westerners think that they are a body mind, trying to get what they want and avoid what they don't want, you know. And, economics and finance and psychology is all based on that idea. Um, when you, and, and of course the corollary of that is if I'm a body mind and I stop trying to control everything, of course, if I stop trying to control everything, everything will fall apart, won't it? Well, it doesn't actually. When you stop trying to control everything, things flow rather well. <laughs> yeah. If we, if we look out the window, everything works rather well without our interference and our bodies work particularly well if we don't interfere with them by putting stupid things in our bodies. If we just look after our bodies, our bodies work really well. A lot of us think, oh, if I, if I let go, and by the way, this leads to the, set, the third step in the letting go process, which is surrender, letting go completely. So the technique I've just described of 
unclutching helps us to surrender. And when we surrender, essentially the, the intelligence which is running the cosmos runs our lives. So it doesn't fall apart at all. It just all falls into place. And you're, and it makes so much sense. So that's, I guess that's how negative thinking holds you back as well. Oh, it's a disaster, yeah. It's a disaster. And, and, and many of us have been brought up to think that way. Let's expand on that, the negativity. So, yeah, you're right. We've been brought up that way. We've had experiences that, that kind of create that negative thinking. But how does it really impact our being and our existence and our flow. This will shock some listeners, but the first time I went to see Swamiji in India, there were a small group of us, and he said, he said this many times, but he said it in front of us, he said, I'm not here to convince you that I am God. I'm here to convince you that you are God, which is a shock for, you know, if you've been brought up as a Christ Christianity or Judaism or Islam, that's a shock because the, the Abrahamic religions tell you that you're separate from God, right? The um, Dharmic religions, so... Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, and so on. What, what they essentially say is everything is divine. So you're divine, right? The whole thing's divine. And the, the reason I mention this is that we are responsible for everything. And the principle is incredibly simple. Is if you imagine, just simply keep it simple, if you imagine we have an inner space, right? Just imagine we have an inner space, what goes on inside us, and we have the outer world. And what happens is the outer world mirrors what goes on in our inner space. So if we have a negative thought or a positive thought or any kind of thought, pretty soon it shows up in the outside world. And many of us do this unconsciously. So events in the outside world are some terrible surprise. <laughs> but if you become conscious of your thoughts, if you just if you meditate or observe your thoughts, you'll, you'll realize after a while, actually, I'm, I'm manifesting everything. A lot of it unconsciously, a lot of it not deliberately, well, we think not deliberately, you know, because it's conditioning, but we are, you know. Um, and some, I think most people have had some experience of that. You know, if you keep thinking about something, positive or negative, at least some of that stuff, you can see it showing up, right? But actually, it's happening all the time. So you need to be very careful about what's in your inner space. That's right. What's in your mind is really going to be your exterior life. And yeah. And it depends also mind, you know, what do we mean by mind? That's why I use the word inner space because in the Eastern traditions, mind just means this torrent of complicated thoughts, right? And, and we don't need that either. I mean, it's perfectly possible to have no thoughts for a period of time, which many people have experienced during meditation or yoga or standing on top of a mountain, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, in the beginning of our segment, you, we met, you, you mentioned mindfulness and how you start talking about that. But what is a better way to describe what we need to be doing with our thoughts? Um, well, the, the underlying principle where we want to get to is fewer and fewer thoughts per second or thoughts per minute. When I came out of business school, I, I was just thinking all the time. like It was like a torrent of thoughts. And I know people who've had mania or something like that. So enormous number of thoughts per second or per minute is a, not a good sign, right? Whereas uh, what most of these techniques point you towards is very few thoughts per second. And I mean, Deepak Chopper, for example, he talks about things coming in the gap between thoughts. So I've done transcendental meditation for a long time and the thoughts slow right down. And I get these downloads. I mean, the other day I did... I did TM for 20 minutes and then wrote 700 words, just wrote. I mean, a book's only 40,000. 
That's nearly 2% of a book from one download, right? Um, and a lot of, so again, a lot of people in the West, we've been conditioned to think and think and think and think. But actually when we stop thinking, that's when the downloads get through because the, you know, the thoughts aren't getting in the way. Of course, people say, well, where's that download coming from? <laughs> <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> well, it's coming from the, I would say it's coming from the intelligence, which is running everything, which you can call God or life or existence or the cosmos. It doesn't really matter, but it's definitely, you know, when we create space between our thoughts using some spiritual technique, then amazing things come in, come through the gap. Right? We have to create a gap somehow. And I think that's the hard part for, you're right, for the Western world. We don't make time for the gaps. We're actually afraid of the gaps because we think that we should be having a bazillion thoughts per minute. And it's actually unhealthy. It's counterintuitive and counterproductive to our physical being. And that's what hap- that's what causes us to create these stories about our- ourselves. You talk about these stories we create about ourselves. How do we break down those stories and not create things that don't that potentially aren't going to happen? Or yeah, well, I would say there are two steps. One is just become aware of the stories, and after a while, you realize some of them. With a bit of experience, you realize some of them are ridiculous. When I meet new people for the first time, there's some people I immediately warm warm to, and other people. I find a bit irritating or I don't like very much. I usually become best friends with the people I didn't like very much. So I know my mind does that. I, I can, I've had so much experience of it. I just know, okay, that person who annoys me a bit will probably be best friends. So that's the first thing is with a bit of experience, you can see how nonsensical the stories are, right? I mean, so many stories. We, the mind invents all these stories that just turn out to be nonsense. So that's one part of it. The second part is back to what we were saying, the second step, which is let go of the pain that's running your life, is those stories are ultimately created by those pain patterns. For example, you're walking down the street and you see someone with a green hat. You know, the green hat unconsciously reminds you of someone who used to treat you badly or something. So you start thinking about that and you feel better. Well, if you do the completion process, which is in the book, so relive intensely, you know, I'm three years old and someone with a green hat beats me up or something. If you relive that intensely, you will no longer be triggered by people with green hats. <laughs> All right, I'm going to yeah. look over those. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to look out for somebody with a green hat for sure. <laughs> when we come back, more on the four stages of letting go. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, John and I were discussing how we need to change the stories that we have created about ourselves and others, as well as how being present can help us find answers to our life's questions. So just to reiterate, what are the four stages of letting go? Because they're so profound and they're things that we can do anytime and very easily and we can get into that flow. Yeah. Well, there there are three in the book. <laughs> you've <laughs> okay. added one, so I'm I'm guessing oh, the I've one that you've one. added. Okay. The one that you've added is probably being present. Is that right? Right. It's right. being present. Yes. Yeah. So, so in terms yes. of the chapter, okay, let's let's go with four, right? So, so chapter one is is about being present in some way, right? 
So that could be for some people, it's mindfulness. You know, I put I put my attention on my breath. I put my attention on the end of my nose or the weight of my body on the jet. I put my attention on some sensory experience, and that brings me into the present. Um, some people, it's yoga. Some people, it's transcendental meditation, Zen, whatever. So that's being present. That's the start. That's the first step. First chapter. The second one is um, now I'm present. I can start observing my thoughts. And I realize actually some of them are quite cheerful thoughts, but some of them are pretty unhelpful, you know, judgments, labels, all this stuff. And then the thirds, so we, we can get rid of some of them just by realizing how ridiculous they are. Um, should, I should do this, I should do that. Well, where did that come from? You know, some people, I should do this um, because my mother said I should. Okay, is your mother still alive? No, <laughs> well, you know, at some point. <laughs> At some point, you stop doing what mother told you to do 40 years ago. Um, so that's the second one. Third one is is, is letting go of the pain that's running your life, which is the thing we've described before the break, which is intensely reliving a painful experience. So so the reason it's called completion is you, have, you had a painful experience. You didn't live it from beginning to end. You just suppressed it, and the pain gets stored in your body and then generates loads and loads of negative thoughts. If you go back and, for example, become, well, recently, I've been reliving being one year old, maybe one, maybe two, and I'm crying in my crib or cot, whatever you call it, and nobody comes, right? So the cognition that goes with that is life doesn't give me what I want. So I want mummy or daddy to come, nobody comes. So I, so I realized I worked my way back from five years old, back to three years old, back to probably one years old, one year old. And I, recently I've been reliving, I'm one year old and I'm not getting what I want, which is attention from somebody. And if you relive that intensely, initially I feel like pain in my heart chakra and it's a very physical thing. But if you keep reliving it intensely, at some point it leaves your body. And you know, and the reason you know you've completed it is things start manifesting in your life which hadn't manifested before. You know, because, you know, back to what we said before, what I said before the break is, you know, you are divine, you are manifesting everything. So if you get rid of this program that says, I don't get what I want, suddenly you do start getting what you want because you've removed the program. No, no, the fourth step, which is the scary one for many Westerners, is, is letting go completely, otherwise known as surrender, you know, which is where you think it's all going to fall apart and it doesn't, it all falls into place. <laughs> <laughs> that is the scary part. It's interesting to me that the main message here is that we're humans and we are living with pain that's conducting our lives and guiding our lives where if we were just, you know, focusing on the present, surrendering a little bit every single day, that's when we're going to notice the biggest difference and improvement in our lives. Well, it's also conditioning to be to believe that we're humans, right? So, I mean, what is it what is a human? So, most Westerners have been brought up to believe, as I said that before the break, that they're a body-mind. So we think, well, I have this body, and then I have this mind which chatters endlessly. Well, you know, most of us have noticed that the body keeps coming and going, like cells, you know, bits drop off and get replaced, and eventually the whole thing just disintegrates, right? And then, and, and also, um, if we learn to meditate or do yoga or go running or something, at some point, the thoughts die down, but the consciousness is still there. So what, what the Vedic, you know, the Eastern traditions are saying is um, we are not the mind, we're not the body, we're that pure consciousness. 
that never dies. And the body just comes and goes and the thoughts come and go. So once we understand that we're pure consciousness, everything changes, right? Um, and we stop running around frantically trying to get what we want and avoid or we don't want. And, and is that what you mean by becoming whole? You talk about this in the book, becoming whole. Does that mean that you are fully aware of everything we just talked about, all the, you know, the concepts? And what does that mean? Um, I would say becoming whole is more to do with the second step. So uh, some people listening may already know the word in, in English, the word whole comes from the same root as healing and heal and health. It's all the same root, right? So it's about becoming whole. And that's what completion is. So you know, basically complete is a Latin word for whole. When we complete, so we've had this painful experience. We didn't complete it because it was so painful. We suppressed it. If, if we go back and complete the experience, live it from beginning to end, we become whole. So I would say it's, in your parlance, <laughs> it's the third step. It's the third chapter, right? But I suppose you could say, ultimately, when we surrender, we become whole. Or we could say we become the whole, which is we realize I'm, I'm not this body-mind. I'm actually pure consciousness which is running everything and and i think that's my that's another question that i have and i th i feel like it'll help listeners and myself as well so when we're talking about the three stages and we're trying to incorporate these things into our lives in order for us to have that concept of being whole is it something we're doing every day little steps or do we really have to like you know focus on the one thing at a time or is it like we're we're, we're kind of practicing daily all of these things uh, well, I, I think it really helps to have a routine. I mean, my routine is when I get up, the first thing I do is meditate. It may sound bizarre, but it's supposed to be the best. And I do, I've do. i been doing transcendental meditation for 20 years, so I just meditate. The second thing I do is I make a cup of coffee or something, and I, I sit there and I do completion. So I sit there. Sometimes I look at myself in the mirror, or sometimes I just sit there, and all the rubbish – has generally come to the surface during the night. I don't know if you have, have this. You wake up in the morning and all your negativity is floating around on the top. And so what I do is I write it down. I did it this morning. You know, like this is bothering me, that's bothering, whatever. I just write down all this stuff which has floated to the surface. And then I look at it and I realize, well, which bit do I need to complete? I, I, it dawned on me this morning. I was writing down all the things that aren't working in my life or around me, right? And the principle of Advaita or oneness is that everyone is part of you. Everyone's a reflection of you. Everyone's connected to you. So I thought, okay, there were four people I know who aren't getting what they want in life, right? And this, by the way, obviously is a reflection of my pattern when I was one or two. So I know four people, they want to, their organization to grow and expand. It's not happening. So they're getting frustrated and annoyed and trying to push people, but it's still not happening. A couple of them have started to let go but a couple of them haven't let go so they're struggling so i look back so i said okay so how is that a reflection of me and i think well it's it's they're not getting what i want what they want and i wasn't getting what i wanted feeling powerless this is the key thing it's okay you are god but in this episode in your life you felt powerless so what you i relive that intensely and what happens is it it kind of starts to leave my body so i've been doing it the last few days and and you and i can tell when it's working because the people around me start to shift and I don't have to say anything to them. Their behavior will just change. So that's the second step. And the third one is normally I do yoga. And, and those things seem to work very, very well together. 
Uh, and then during the day, I unclutched. So for example, when this afternoon was set up, this was my third call of the afternoon. Well, two of those calls have been canceled. <laughs> and something else happened and something else happened. And Swamiji, he, I think he calls it the order in the chaos. So our minds like to think we've got everything mapped out and organized, right? But the cosmos doesn't work that way. And what I find is when I unclutch, so that technique I described before the break of when you a thought comes up and you just choose not to engage with it. You might have a thought, oh, this is all going wrong or this isn't working the way I planned. You just unclutch and don't engage with it. And then something else happens and everything just worked out. <laughs> it just all works out. But in, a, in, but in a way that your mind, my mind, did not expect. Yeah, because there's something far more intelligent running everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that you gave us this example because I feel like it happens to all of us. And one of the things that I find that I do is I always keep myself so busy because if I'm busy, I'm not thinking about the things that, like you say, aren't working out for me or the needs that I am not getting met. And so it's actually a mistake to be that busy I should be more present and just unclutching for a larger part of my day. Well, unclutching also is complete. So one of Swamiji has a whole load of acharyas or teachers, and one who's one of one this lady um, who's helped me a lot, Madaya. She said, "Well, do the completion." I said, "I'll do it tomorrow morning." She said, "No, do it now." She said, "Because if you take any action when you're incomplete, you'll just create more mess." So what what Swamiji says? He says, "Action." So action from incompletion leads to more incompletion i.e more frustration more suffering action from completion leads to more completion so the top priority is to be complete and so what i do if i'm if there's something urgent to do but i don't feel quite right i just make sure i'm complete before i take any action otherwise i know i'm going to create a mess our minds and our bodies know what needs to happen it's just i like how you itemized everything and created those steps for us to make it that much easier wow. It, it took 10,000 years. I just summarized it. <laughs> so before we end our segment, do you have any last wise words for our listeners? Uh, I would encourage everybody to learn some form of silent meditation and also to, to learn completion. So it's in both books. Uh, we, we also run, uh, we run free online courses. Um, I, if everybody in the world learned completion, there wouldn't be any violence. It would just stop. And there wouldn't be... And also people would be far more fulfilled because they would be manifesting what they wanted. So, mm -hmm. And I think that's the ultimate goal. We all want to feel more fulfilled. John, I cannot thank you enough for joining me today. Um, just please remind listeners where we can get your books, learn more about you, direct them to your website. That would be incredible. Yes. Uh, yeah. So briefly, uh, my, I have an unusual, my name is unusual spelling. So it's J-O-H-N and then the surname is Papa Uniform Romeo Kilo India Sierra Sierra. So John Perkis. So my website is johnperkis.com and The Power of Letting Go and Learn to Let Go. They're on every Amazon website I've seen and they're in bookshops. So. And they're both incredible. Thank you again. And you can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Mackella or my website, ClaudiaMackella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you live your best life. 
The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at healthyplanetcanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.